Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. How's it going, buddy? I'm uh, holding good. Hi. How are you? <laughs> That was a. Uh, Let me slow down for sh- you. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. I actually did understand, which is concerning. I've I heard know. you that much that I understood exactly what you said. But it's if you sad. say that, if you say everything like that, I will, I will lose track. But you know, the intros are. Ah, uh, I've heard your intro so many times, Shannon. You've done more intros than dumps in your life. Are you sure about that? No. I'm glad we could take the first minute of our podcast to put in this irrelevant tangent mm-hmm. on my Absolutely. intros thank you so that's much that's kind that. of what our podcasts are all about wasting people's time <laughs> that is true we waste a lot of people's time apparently <laughs> boy oh boy we're really good at that uh how have you been it's been it's been some time a week and a half yeah pretty much a week and a half yeah back on schedule now everything good with you friend yeah how about you great thanks for asking really great oh it. wow you really sounded like you didn't want to be asked that well fuck you then let's get to the podcast <laughs> all right so the podcast begins my friends <laughs> uh with a little interesting thing so cinder remember we, were, uh, we talked about how i can't envision a basketball mm-hmm. going into a hoop okay i got yes. a bunch of emails i got a bunch of tweets got some facebook messages you know the whole shebang uh that i have something called aphantasia or at least they said this is possibly what I have. I looked into it, definitely don't have it. And I'll explain why. <laughs> but first of all, I appreciate everybody reaching out. That was actually a very cool topic. But it's interesting that we're bringing it up now because something has, it's, I don't know if it's a meme. I don't know if you can qualify that. Have you seen the Apple tweet, I guess, that's going around right now? Not the company. Uh, yes. Yes, I have. I saw that Okay. One. So for those that don't know, there's basically an image, okay, of five apples and I think you're supposed to not see the image first, but either way, you're supposed to close your eyes, envision an apple, a red apple, as hard as you can. And then this picture shows varying levels of detail of the apple. So one is very detailed, two is less detailed, and it keeps going until five, there's nothing. It's just blank. And you ask everybody, which number do you see in your head, essentially? And it is crazy. The differential, like how many? Okay, first of all, when you did this, what number was it for you? Oh, I didn't do it. Should I try right now? Do it right now, live. Where, what's the? Where's the tweet? You don't so need I to see. Compare. Just no, no. Hold on. Well, I need to be able to compare in the end, right? Okay, fine. If you want me to score it from one to five, I need the rating. Right? I need the list. <sighs> Jesus, you're just not. But prepared is for... is the point of it that you don't see an apple beforehand? It's just you just think about what your concept of an apple is, and then you score it. Or what? Yeah. How detailed can okay. you make an apple in your mind? You're taking a long time to think of an apple right now. Yeah, it's pretty hard. We don't have them in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And All right. I'll I'll try to score it. Let's see. 
Right. Did you so search for it right now? No, I haven't sent anything to you. I don't even have the link. I mean, and now I forgot what I imagined. <laughs> well, then you have a different issue, I think. That's a, that's a memory problem. You know, Maybe you should look up dementia medication. I'm sure that your health can support you in Denmark. Just how detailed was it in your head? Is it like looking at an apple? This is probably like, no, absolutely not. It was like somewhere between... Really? Yeah, it was probably like a... I don't know. If I remember that scale correctly, the flawless apple was one and no apple was five, right? So it was probably like a two or two and a half. Yeah. Now I'm trying to find the stupid tweet because you so just can't tell I me. had this thought. I had this thought actually that people's ability to draw very skillfully might have something to do with this. Like people that are good at drawing right. might all be ones. That's what you would think. I've actually talked to Nikki about this and she says she knows a bunch of artists that have the five, which you can't see anything in your head. Wow, that's crazy. I had a group of I people over the other night and out of like the 10 people that were there, two people said the same thing. They could not see anything. Everybody has. So you say you're approximately like a three. Yeah, like let's say that. Two or three, I think. What do you think I am? Two. I'm a one. I can see it clearly in my head. So this is why, this is my point I was getting to is I don't have whatever this is, right? It's interesting because some people just can't, and apparently it's a lot more people than I thought. It's not that uncommon. Literally can't picture something in your head, right? So we brought this up two weeks ago, I think, and now this is becoming like this trending thing on so on Twitter. I, I don't know if you can explain this to me, but try to like... If somebody can't picture something in their head, what do they see when they close their eyes? Just never anything. <clears throat> Apparently They're just not, blind I mean, completely. And they can't like imagine a scenario of any sort. Like in what? terms of visuals, they can't see anything. But they can, I mean, they can, obviously they can think, you know. I, I would actually love to have somebody on that has uh, aphantasia to see, like, to better understand what they see. Because why can't you see a detailed apple in your head? Well, I don't understand maybe, that maybe I'm answering the question wrong. Like when I close my eyes and I focus on it, I can imagine what the apple looks like, but I can't like see it, you know. Well, it's yeah, okay. if you can imagine what it looks like, then you can see it. It's the same right, thing. Right, but that's what I just said. So people that have this thing close their eyes and they cannot mm -hmm. imagine seeing anything. Like it's just literally empty. They can imagine concepts, but nothing physical. Is right. that how it works? I, to my understanding, it's yes, pretty that's interesting. how it works. Yeah, okay. it's fascinating. It really is because it makes you rethink, I don't know, just basic stuff like that is obviously not the same for everybody. You take things yeah. for I granted. I wonder what impact it has on things though, like if it actually matters. I don't know anything. if it matters. It sounds like it does matter, but again, like I said, there's a lot of artists that have that and like I don't understand how that's possible. So apparently it doesn't matter that much. I don't know. Um, but yeah, anyway, moving on, Cinderman. You have one so, yet. So we spent five <clears throat> minutes talking about what you don't have. So what do you have? I don't know. I just have a mental block of putting a basketball into a hoop. Did I tell you that I can get it to go in the hoop in certain scenarios? No. If I have you somebody, can't. if I get an up-close vision of this hoop and somebody just fucking forces that basketball in by force, like just rip it right through the rim, I can see it go through. But if he's shooting, letting gravity do its work, it just doesn't go in. It bricks all the time so it remains to be seen what that issue actually is maybe i should see a psych psychiatrist at some point yeah you should probably see a lot of things but not I mean, movies though 
Yeah. Okay. Good segue. So the Oscars occurred. Um, and spoiler, Cinderin won the bet, guys. He got one correct. I got zero. <laughs> before, before we go, in, okay, please. I should have. I think I said this beforehand, but I'm not sure. Like picking these is like just, just it's random. Like even if you've seen every movie, it doesn't rhyme or reason doesn't can like nothing connects in the world of Oscars. Like one year it could be some like political thing. That's the reason it's the best picture. Another reason it could. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a shit movie. There's been some shit best picture movies. Anyway, oh, uh, you know why I love this so much. <laughs> I was talking. I was saying on my stream yesterday that you you told me that I won, and I didn't know. I had no idea by how much and how. And I was like, I hope I win by one or by a lot. Like I want to win by one or a lot. And winning one to zero is actually the best fucking. So let's so let's go through what happened exactly. So we'll start with. Oh my goodness! So we did the supporting actors. we did the best actors and we did best picture. So supporting actress is the one you actually got correct. You picked Laura Dern from Marriage Story. Neither of us has seen the movie, by the way. Uh, I picked Kathy I Bates seen any for Richard Jewell. Uh, I know. Maybe we should uh, preface how we selected who sure. we thought were going to win. So uh, well, you selected based on knowledge and expectation. <laughs> I selected based on what people looked like in the poster. That's right. That um, is accurate. Yes. And what this goes to show is... It doesn't matter how many movies you've watched. You still <laughs> don't know anything. It's better to just let well, RNG do it for you. I, I actually agree with that to some degree. So that's the best supporting actress, the one that you got correct and I got incorrect. Best supporting actor. Uh, you picked, I believe, I picked Tom Hanks for The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I don't know what you picked, actually. I actually have no memory of what you picked, but it wasn't correct. Brad Pitt apparently won. And on the podcast, I remember saying that he's, there's no way he's going to win. He never wins. He finally won his first Oscar a, as an actor. I just had a thought. Like when I'm looking through this list, why do they only celebrate the winner? Like why isn't there like a top three? If it's across all big scale movies that are made across the year. I mean, being nominated, winner? being nominated already is an honor. So okay, that, so that's that boosts that's your kind of the, already, right? Okay, because once you're nominated, that's you're like every trailer you're in, like an Oscar-nominated actor, blah blah blah. And if you win, you right. are fucking like forever. You're fine, for uh, unless you're Nicolas uh-huh. Cage and you just drop off like a fucking rock and you do the worst movies ever and he's just considered a terrible actor. Now, but anyway, Best Actress, uh, you picked. God, who did you? I don't remember. Oh, you picked uh, Cynthia Erivo from Harriet. I picked, I can't, still can't say her name, Cersei Ronan from Little Women. And again, Cinderin, the person that yep. I specifically said I hate them because their face annoys me, Renee Zellweger, actually won again. That's her that's second a very, That's very hostile of you. That's like, how about you appreciate their work instead of their look, Shannon? That's not what when this I, is about. I mean, I may have selected based on looks on the poster, <laughs> but that is not what the movies are about. Okay. <laughs> when I look at her face, it, it's the most punchable face in the industry, I think. Just if you guys don't know, Renee Zellweger, please look it up. Good God. That's her second Oscar now. Best actor, Cinderin, you picked Jonathan Price from The Two Popes. I picked randomly Adam Driver from Marriage Story, even though I'd never seen it. But then I did say, I saw the Joker. I loved it. I thought Joaquin Phoenix was amazing in it. He should win, but I don't think he will. And he won. Right. Cinderin. He won. He did win. He did a great job. And then last but not least, best picture. 
I chose 1917 because it won in the Golden Globes. Did not win here. You chose Marriage Story, I want to say, because you liked the picture. Probably. Did not win. Parasite won, which is the first non-English speaking movie ever to win Best Picture, which is crazy. And the funny thing is, I actually watched this the night before the Oscars, Cinderin. It Wait, is how can it be non-English really speaking good. when it's called Parasite? Is that supposed to be a joke? Yes. The fact that you had to ask that is kind of insulting. <laughs> yeah, it should be insulting. That's a terrible joke, Cinderin. I take offense <laughs> Thank you. as an American. Thank you very much. Thank you. So this is a movie I would highly recommend for those. Uh, I thought it was a really good movie. I am not disappointed at all that this won. So kudos to them. And kudos to you, Cinder. You won the, the bet. Do you want to tell yes. everybody what the amazing bet that we agreed upon consists did, of? Did we decide the number? Let's just say three. Is it five? No. Three? Three, yes. Please. I think I wrote five to ten. I wanted no, it to be You value. said three to five, and I picked no, the low number. I, I have this in writing, <laughs> but there is no way I said three. I, okay. we'll, we'll check the logs and double check, but I believe okay. it's How three. How about we Pretty say confident. four, because it's four, then it's uh, a... <laughs> okay, we're meeting fine. in the middle. Right, four. Fair enough. So four. for the next four games of A to Z dual lane challenge, you have to play the hero I choose, right? Or was it you have to play support? It's one or the other. No, it's the hero you choose. Right. So the next four episodes, I pick the hero no matter what. Even if you fucking hate the other one or you love This it. is a huge I win choose. for Team Cinderin because if you guys did not see the latest episode of A to Z challenge report... <laughs> Boy, oh boy, are you missing something? You're gonna see more of that from me. Let me just. All right, let me just uh, let me tell you what you. the next heroes are, the next okay. four series, so you can get ready, because then I can already tell you what you won. Okay. The uh, next one's so gonna the be next, fine. Next set is Centaur Chaos Knight. Then it's Chin Clink's Clock Maiden and Darkseer Willow. Those four. Wait, I'm okay with Darkseer yeah, Willow. Four, right? Yeah. Okay. The other. Yeah. You will be Chen playing. Should I show mercy? Well, do what you want, Cinderin. This is your yeah, this is your show. I'm thinking. You, know? you will be playing bet. Chaos Knight, Chen, okay. oh, God, Crystal Maiden, ah, oh. and Dark Willow. I like Dark Willow. I'm fine with that. Okay. okay. Oh, that's Good. not too bad. Then. I get to farm on Dark Willow, by the way. That's that's the rule. Okay. Cool. Uh, congratulations. You're two and zero on bets now. I should just yes. uh, not bet with you anymore, even if you don't know anything about the subject, because apparently it doesn't matter. It's uh, with you. It's not really about the opponent. It's about not losing to yourself. Yeah. And so far, that's not going too well. I tend to do that in everything I do, actually. So that's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> like if I play pickleball or tennis or anything or ping pong, I'm all power. Most of my I'm not fucking mo- pickleball again. Most of the points that I lose are because I mess up because I'm trying to hit it too hard. That's my issue with all sports, Cinderin, except for basketball. <clears throat> which I can't make a basket in my mind. Okay, so starting. I guess the... we should quickly mention for uh-huh. the ones that don't know that what the bet was all about, because there will be people that don't know this. Um, we do this thing where we air an episode every Monday on the Dota Cinema YouTube called A to Z Reborn, because we've already done it once in the past. <clears throat> and basically, the concept is we play every pair of heroes alphabetically until the end. So the first two heroes alphabetically, and the next two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and we try to win as many games as possible, and we have to start laning together. That's why it's called the dual lane challenge. If you've originally. never seen this series, so. do not watch the latest. Please <laughs> choose any other game. I'm begging you. That was an abomination. Abomination. So, abomination. Okay, let's start the episode, Cinderin. So 
apparently some major changes, pun intended, to the DPC will be coming. They've been leaked. Uh, to give you a quick rundown, you can give us some more confirmed. details. They're not confirmed, but uh, this seems to be semi-confirmed. Mm. A decreased number of majors, I believe it goes from five to three. Miners are now kaput, a.k.a. no longer existing, and in their place are new regional leagues. What do you think of this potential change to the DPC? Are you a fan? Yes. Um, because, again, it's if it's implemented correctly, it helps with some of the stuff that we've talked to death on this podcast about Tier 2 and Tier 1 and how everything is structured. What I'm really curious about is how many slots these leagues will have. So supposedly there's going to be a Tier 1 league and a Tier 2 league, and then there's going to be majors, where qualifying for the majors depends on how you do in the leagues. Um, and you can get relegated, or you can get... What's the opposite of relegated? Horsegated. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. No? I don't know. I wasn't sure if you said what I thought you said. I was like, what? I said horsegated. Yes. Yeah, no. Obviously a fake yeah. word. So you can you can qualify for the higher league or you can get knocked out or knocked down to the lower league. Uh, it gives some more structure throughout the year for teams. And obviously you can qualify to the leagues in general. If you're not in any of them, there's like open qualifiers. And supposedly two teams will move up and down every cycle or whatever. Um, so this helps with a couple of things. First of all, depending on how big the leagues are, there will be more representation of teams regularly, which makes a huge difference for sponsors. I think that's the big win here for the pro teams is that now you can actually, you know, talk to an org and be like, we can guarantee you representation in this league mm -hmm. instead of where every year it's just like, hope you make a major guys. We'll throw some thousand dollars at every one of your players and hope you qualify. And if you don't, we kind of got very little out of it. Uh, which is super low, you know, guarantee from an organizational standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, Dota is very top-heavy and it's very uh, qualification-based, which I still think it will be, but there's a lot more guarantee now with this. Um, so that sounds really promising. Um, yeah, more teams will get to play. The other thing is we'll cut down from five majors to three, and what I hope this will do is make the majors the grand thing they used to be. Uh, if you look back three or four years, we had these massive Valve majors with three ones majors that OG a year. One, most most of OG them. One, a lot of them. <laughs> uh, they were three million dollar tournaments, um, and they had a totally different like atmosphere to them. They really mm -hmm. felt big because there were so few of them, and because there was so much pride, so many, so much prize money, and such a like a bigger production and better production than most majors have right now. Uh, and it probably comes from Valve just being able to shell out way more money than these uh, secondhand tournament organizers have been able to with a new major system. So I'm very curious uh, if they're going to be a bit more hands-on again with those majors. Uh, because Valve were involved in all of the Valve majors. They didn't just outsource them and say, good luck. Uh, they had people there. Didn't uh, it say something about there's potential for well. tournament organizers to get involved, but... It sounded like to start they will not be involved is the way I took that. That is not the majors. That is the leagues. I mean, yeah, the leagues. That's what I mean. Yeah, the leagues to begin with sound like they might be online only, but then later transition into possibly having a LAN part if uh, if organizers want to get involved with that. So. And then for majors, uh, do, do you actually think it's going to be Valve again? Um, I know that's what you so, want. So to specify, what it used to be was Valve hosted the majors. They didn't run all the production with Valve people. They obviously 
had a production company hired. I think the Frankfurt major was largely run by ESL people, uh, but it was obviously more of a more hands-on by Valve without telling them everything they needed to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But they were more involved with it. They had people on site uh, communicating with the production and communicating back to Valve and making sure it ran the way they wanted. Um, I would like that. Do I think that's how it's going to be? Don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's kind of up to Valve if they're happy with how the majors have been running this year and a half or two years by now uh, with the outsourced fully uh, majors where Valve pays half the prize pool and the rest is just run by the organizers, right? Um, if things are going to be different now. Um, they're like, okay, we would like this to be bigger. We'd like it to be more in this direction, be a little more hands-on. Because Valve traditionally is super hands-off, right? Uh, but at the same time, they have no problem getting involved when it's needed. And the question is, do they think it's needed? Um, so the one thing I don't I'm, like about that, uh, just to be, play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. uh, so think of all the majors that we've had, right? The thing that I do like yeah. about the current system is that you get a different flavor depending on who's running it, right? So right. for example, ESL is kind of your standard, uh, very professional for the most part, uh, similar to what Valve would actually probably run. Uh, then you have something like Dream League, which is much more casual. Like we play, even though that was a minor, even more casual. Like I love the the differences between the tournaments and the fact that you don't have to, you know, go with cookie cutter, so to speak, for every single one. So right. do you, I hope that's not do you lost think, in this these changes. I mean, what I'm expecting is there'll still be non DPC tournaments, right? There will be the leagues running, but there should also be other lands, and yes, that means you can get flavor there because. I don't. I don't really have a very strong opinion about this. What I am have an opinion. What I have an opinion about for sure is I want Dota to be fun. I think I don't want over professionalism. I think it's about having a good time. It's about having a laugh and obviously taking the tournament seriously, but not having the entire production be ESPN. Like that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about finding this happy medium where you're respectful to the tournament itself and the teams and. Outside of that, you can have creative freedom. I don't think Valve have any problem with the kind of thing DreamHack uh, or Dream League is. Uh, maybe they would tweak it a little bit on the serious side because it was, you know, it was pretty clowny, which some people love, some people dislike. I personally don't have a problem with it being a bit clowny. Uh, but if you do make it a bigger major with a bigger stage, more people there, etc., you might have to change your expectations a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think those three majors will be feel the same. You know, I also don't feel like they did that originally did they do you feel like boston frankfurt manila all felt the same when you were watching them uh it was a little bit different because i didn't watch any of them on the stream i was there with the team Mm -hmm. other than frankfurt i guess that one we did not qualify for yeah um so i didn't get to see what exactly it was like but it felt like just a normal valve tournament not that that's a bad thing necessarily but like even if Okay, let's just say I prefer a certain style. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want every tournament in that style. Like I want the very, right. like you're saying that obviously you can do that for other tournaments, but I want it for the major tournaments. I want all three majors to be like completely different themes, completely different feel. I like that about the current system. Of course, there's so many other flaws that we can talk about, which we've had many mm-hmm. a time, but that's one thing that I will personally miss because I'm fairly confident that will be lost. It's just going to be okay. the same all three. Right, uh, which makes me a bit. And then TI is kind of the same. Right. What I think will make them different is if Valve work with different uh, production companies on all three majors. Right. So, it, like right now, we're assuming Valve is involved, right? But let's just say that. Um, 
if one is run by, just to throw some examples out there, let's say one is run by Epicenter and one is run by um, PGL and one is run by ESL or whatever, right? Um, I think just the nature of how those three tournament organizers run production and what they do, uh, unless Valve is specifically telling them everything they want, they will be running the tournaments differently. But I don't think any of those three would make it like super casual. So if that's what you're looking for, then yeah, I think that will be lost unless you give full creative freedom to something like Dream League, where it's very, you know, that's like super fun focused to a degree that some people dislike, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't know. Like, can you think of another tournament organizer for the majors and minors that really stood out to you as something very unique, except that and we play for the minor? I mean, Dream League is pretty casual. You're talking about minors and majors or just majors? Yeah, just you said it's going to be lost. So give me some examples of tournaments that you felt like were really great and that we will not have again. Captain's draft. Right. Okay. So that was... Do you... Yeah, okay. That's kind of Dream League style as well, right? The way we ran that. Yes. Uh, it's it's a long time ago, so I wasn't really thinking about that tournament. That was January 2018, I think. I'm still feeling it in it? the wallet, Sindarin, so it's not a right. long time for me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not a long time for me. We'll get into that a bit. Uh, Negative topic. Wall- wallet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's either way, this is an exciting... I mean, it was leaked. I don't know how that even happens, but uh, obviously this is not 100% confirmed. There might be a lot of changes from here until after TI yeah, that's the probably announced. I don't know. Uh, but overall, it, it sounds like it, like I'm really interested in the regional leagues uh, to see how that actually works and how like it just sounds like more games over yeah. a longer period of time, which is always good. That should bolster the Tier 2 scene. Uh, people need to watch them, though. Which, you did mention that minors you know, are gone, right? Yes. You did say that, yeah. So the regional leagues replace a the lot minors. of space when you think about it. Right now we have, what is it, ten mi- or five minors and five majors. Mm. And in the new system, we would have three majors. That's it. That means we cut down the lands from 10 to 3. From a land perspective, Unless these yes. regional leagues are crazy long and very consistent in gameplay, there's so much space to fill. Based on, I mean, the word league stuff. implies that it's going to be much longer. But it is not going to be land. At least not at first. They said there's, mm-hmm. they're going to open that up in the future, potentially. So, yeah, you could be right. Maybe third-party yeah. tournaments are back. Maybe they're... It could be even worse for third-party tournaments. Actually, I have no it idea. Could. could have yeah. either effect. So, without further details, we won't be able to assess that any further, I don't think. Right. Uh, moving on. Dendi, his roster was announced. Uh, let's take a look at it right here. So, well, the roster right now is going from 5 to 1. LeBron, Dota... King, not to be you know confused with LeBron James, of course. Yeah, just uh, in case you guys thought Dendi had really made it. I mean, you never know. King R at the four, Ghostic, Dendi, and is it PO65? PO65, yeah. So apparently there was some drama uh, with the original choice for the position one. His name was Kumin. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure you do. At least you have yep. some idea. Yep. Uh, that was the original choice for their position one. He but played VP, for Gambit as well last season. I think right. Right. VP essentially poached him. So there's been a little bit of drama about how, you know, VP has kind of fucked over another CIS org and how, you know, Big Brother kind of taking over. And I mean, we've seen this in every region. So I don't know if it's fair to say that CIS is the only one, but it just seems to be more prevalent, perhaps more consistent. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if you can have this like, there's like this semi hate brigade right now going toward VP. And I just, I don't know if that's fair. 
to be honest. Like, it's a competitive field. You have a strong org. You have a really strong team. And you... I mean, the timing of it is super unfortunate, right? Because Dendi basically had his team set and they were boot camping. That's why it sucks. But people just seem to hate on VP because they have taken a couple of players from other teams that they love. But that's like every sport and competitive field ever. If there's a bigger fish that wants you, you need to make a choice. And I don't, mm. I don't know if you should be hating the org for this unless they do something shady or fishy, right? Like if you... I think the one maybe that rubs people the wrong way is the Zayas one. And this one is just more fuel to the fire, right? Because this one, he wasn't even announced on Dendi's org, right? So is it really a poaching when he's not even playing for the team yet, officially? That's one thing. But the one with Zayas was he was playing for Navi. And apparently what VP did was they found a loophole in the contract, so they got him for free. Hmm. I think that's what people disliked. Interesting. Was that they tried to tried to just get him out of there. But... He supposedly had already shown interest in leaving Navi a while back, and then they convinced him to stay, and he did some captaining or whatever, or leading, and he didn't like it. So he wanted to go anyway. So I don't know. Um, I mean, the way that yeah, the infrastructure sure. of the scene is set up, it's, again, it's complete opposite to the way Riot does it, and Riot mm-hmm. controls everything. This is just everybody's free to do whatever they want, which means every team is responsible to have specific contracts in place to prevent something like this in theory. Right. But the issue is like, let's for, okay, let me go back to play devil's advocate again, because I was, Mm -hmm. when I owned DC back in the day, this was right before we picked up, like we were trying out resolution as part of the AUI and Bulba squad from the original Mm -hmm. roster. We were going to make some changes. And then they ended up going to EG getting quote unquote poached. And we obviously were not happy about that, but in the contracts, we could have done something about it, but it makes us look bad if we do. So it's kind of like a you're screwed if you do, screwed if you don't kind of situation, right? That's kind of well, the my, issue. My point hand. here, my point here is not about whether the system is good or not. It's about why are VP bad guys compared to the other fifty times this has happened? Like, why right. are VP getting so much? That's what I don't get. Is that well? That that's you, my point. It, is that it's the system in place is kind of the issue in theory, right? Yeah, for stuff. Like I, this. I don't know why people are hating on VP this much when there's been countless examples of something like this beforehand, and it didn't get nearly as much drama. Maybe it's because it's a big CIS team. Maybe it's because VIP uh, VIP VP has haven't been playing so well lately so now they're kind of in a bad light in the cis community and now they start destroying other teams to try to find their own success and that's viewed as like a bad trait or whatever uh if if you ask me what i would like is when these teams get signed by orgs that they get good contracts with fair buyouts and then if vp want to get their players they need to pay for it right and that's just how it is like that is the game Um, but that's kind of an idealistic uh approach sure but we like the contracts are never going to be fair for both sides. I'm not. I'm not saying. Happen. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, like from this, from the perspective of what happened here with VP, they didn't really do anything that other teams wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's true. Like there, there are so many teams 100%. that have done similar or would do similar if in the same situation. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand why they need to get so much shit. If people want to direct hate at something, they could complain about the fact that these players could swap so easily or that yeah that navi didn't have a guarantee of keeping zayas for whatever or that um that kuman didn't get signed with dendi in time like if that's the if that's the thing if they're like committed and they have a boot camp and they're signing contracts then that's that right but mm-hmm. uh, as far as we've got i mean i don't know like 
if you put yourself in their spot, your team needs players. You're looking to make the strongest team you can because you're playing for a lot of money and a lot of pride. Why wouldn't you give yourself the best conditions you can? If the players are available and you can get them, like why not? I, I mean, I, mean, also... I, I would love if everything was you know tight knit and teams were very much friends and just trying to stick together and stick it out and do everything they can. But there's a lot of business in this game, and yeah. people are playing to win. So. And we never know what information that we actually have access to, like what we're not hearing. No. So just yeah. figured we'd bring that up uh, as a almost like a rehashed. Mm-hmm. By the way, nice, nice hoodie. I just noticed. Thank that. you. Escape gaming. <laughs> yeah. You escape that or perfect, perfect example of a, a good team I had. And then I got Yapsar and Kezu poached by puppy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true, actually. Sorry to bring up. Uh, sorry to bring that no, up. I, mean, I know it still hurts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it is what it is, right? Like, at the time we had been, we played TI six. We came back. We played, I think, a qualifier for a major. We didn't make it. I think Secret didn't make it or whatever. And Puppy was going to change his roster, and he reached out to Yapsor at first, and Yapsor took that offer. I don't blame him for it. Look where it's got him, right? He's a superstar. And Kezu got the offer later. I think I don't remember exactly how it went. Uh, that team didn't do too well. I still, you know, why wouldn't he take so the opportunity? So, in terms of contracts, how did that work? Was there anything um, to prevent so, that? So, I'm trying to remember exactly what the timing was. Because uh, we, we, the contracts that we had at the time, uh, it's hard because it, I need to know what exact time it was. I honestly, I don't remember exactly. Now, it's, it's about four years ago, three and a half years ago now. Um, but I do want to say it was at a point where I think our contracts were expiring or had actually expired. Ah, okay. Uh, and when it came to renewal, there were some options or whatever, but it didn't end up mattering, right? So mm. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay, moving on. JSTORM uh, is no longer sponsored. Uh, it sounds like they went bankrupt. That's Jeremy Lin's team, of course. My boy Brax is on there. Uh, their new name is, by the way, probably the best name in all of Dota. Business Associates, Cinderin. Is that not the best mm. name in Dota right Yes, now? absolutely. That is fucking great. They uh, are looking for partners. Right. So JSTORM <sighs> bankrupt. Jeremy Lin... Is that what happened? I'm not going to... I don't know, actually. I don't... I feel like that's what happened, but I can't fully remember what I was told. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I don't okay. remember. There just Either there was way, never an announcement. That's why I have no idea. Like they yeah. just vanished. Right. So, to my know. understanding, it uh, anyway. I'm not going to say anything that maybe I get in trouble with. But J Storm, of course, owned by Jeremy Lin, who is by the way. I don't even know if you know this. You probably don't. He's not in the NBA anymore. Oh. Uh, no teams not? ended up signing him. Oh. Uh, so he was playing in like China. I want to say. He's playing overseas mm-hmm. somewhere. So obviously not nearly as much money, at least I would think, as the NBA would offer. So maybe that has something to do with it potentially. Uh, maybe finding out that Dota teams are not super profitable unless you're at the top of the top of the top. But yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. So JSTORM is yep. no longer under org, but they're still a roster. So look out yep, for they them stuck in together. Tournaments. So that's a good sign, I guess. Indeed. And then the next topic, this one's interesting, Cinderin. 
So I'm sure we'll talk about this for almost the whole podcast. We'll see. Right. Gork Gork got fifty thousand viewers casting OG. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk again about streamers casting on their channels. Because mm-hmm. I want to know your thought. We haven't talked about this in a while because this was kind right. of nipped in the bud a while ago. It was basically, you know, Valve stepped in at a certain point because there were some gray areas uh, back in the day. And now, to my understanding, you are allowed to do whatever you want if it's on Dota TV. Um, Correct? It's pretty straightforward, actually. So... Um, if you are broadcasting anything from Dota, you're always allowed to view and broadcast any game. It doesn't matter if it's in a major, if it's in TI, if it's whatever, whoever the organizer is, doesn't matter. What you can do is you can watch the game in the client and do your own commentary. What you cannot do is use anyone else's camera work or anyone else's audio. So if you're watching Dota TV, you can't listen to their cast on your stream. You have to talk yourself. Because mm-hmm. that's their property. They own that audio and they own the camera work that they're doing. But they don't own the game itself. Valve owns that. And they're giving creative freedom to anyone to watch any game. Um, and what that means in this case, for example, is you have a big streamer like Gork who just signed with OG as a streamer, which boosted his viewership significantly. I was actually surprised how much it did. Like, how many people started watching his stream because he's now affiliated with OG compared to before was kind of crazy. I was not expecting that at all, but he has been seeing sick viewership. You should look into um, that. Yeah. OG, hey, want to hook me up with another 15K average? That would hey, be cool. we're looking Thank for a sponsor you. on this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, OG, you want to sponsor the podcast? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So he got 50K viewers, and obviously the the debate here, if you will, is should he be allowed to... If there is an official cast that the organizer, uh, in this case ESL, is paying for, uh, should other people be allowed to stream it? And I mean, there just isn't very much to say within Valve's rules, yes. So there's nothing shady going on here. There's nothing wrong going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, If people disagree with Valve's rules, then it's too bad. It's their game and they choose. So that's what what I want to talk about. Because I don't think there's no, I agree, there's no argument whether it's right or wrong, technically, from a technical standpoint, because it's very clear. But... I want to talk about the rule itself and if you think it's good. Yes, that's fine. Uh, Because this affects tournament organizers to a very high degree. Um, Absolutely, I don't think people realize how little money... I mean, going back to Captain's Draft again, I lost a shit ton of money doing that tournament. And if somebody had come in and taken all the viewers from a tournament that I was running, I would have been very angry, obviously. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, you can, there's the people that say you can, you should pay the streamers to maybe stream for you. But I mean, that's kind of a, I don't know, that doesn't feel right either. That means, okay, you're held hostage to what talent you need to choose to yeah. cast your games then. It's basically the, only mm-hmm. the most popular people and you can't choose anybody else. So would you change anything with the current format or do you actually like it the way it is? Uh, I'm thinking about what you would do, right? Because... Band-Aid solutions don't sound very good. They sound forced, right? I was just thinking to myself, what if uh, you owned the LAN, for example? What if Gorg was allowed to cast the online qualifiers, but when it comes to LAN and there's a LAN production and there's a crew and the organizer has shilled out tons of money to make this production for people, uh, then that is... They have the rights then for that LAN. The thing about it, the, the argument that always comes up is, well, if you can't make a better product 
than a guy sitting at home with his microphone set up watching the game due to serve the viewers. That's something I've heard a lot. Like, if you can't even, with your full production value, maintain and get those viewers, would they have watched your stream anyway? Mm. Right? Like, if there's an official stream on with super good production value, great talent there, great camera, uh, real shots of the players, how many people will watch that over Gorg? Just as an example. The vast majority will, but they will still lose some. There's a very loyal fan base to both someone like Gorg or Bulldog where when there's tournament games on, they can still retain thousands of viewers while that's happening. There's probably a chunk of them that watch both streams and they are the ones that the tournament organizer don't care about. If you're watching both, great. I mean, they both get revenue. They probably don't care about that. They don't want necessarily Mm -hmm. exclusivity. They just want you to watch their product at least. And then if you want to watch something else on the side, that's fine. It's about the exclusivity part where there's like... Let's say, just for the sake of the argument, 2,000 viewers that watch Gorg or Bulldog that are not watching the official stream. That's a loss for them, and they can't do anything about it. They can make the best production that they want, but the hardcore fans that would watch their stream if it were the only one will not watch. Um, that's one thing. That's I think for the land parts, it matters less. But for the online qualifier parts, I agree. Yeah. it's like someone like Gorg is dwarfing the official cast because the official cast isn't doesn't want to pay for the amount of production value it takes to beat a stream like that. They don't. You want to talk about that? Set up. Should we mm-hmm. talk about that? I mean, we could. How would you? So, how would you say it? So, <laughs> I'll for let example, you do it. Like, I always put my foot like in my the, mouth. The current, the current <clears throat> qualifier casting is not very high value. It doesn't pay very well. So, a lot of the good talent doesn't do it. Um, and on top of that. Uh, you don't really get the production setup that people are looking for in a tournament broadcast, right? There's no camera, there's no teams, obviously it's online. Um, and there's, yeah, I, it's not really announced and advertised well enough, I think, where to find the streams. Like a lot of the time people go on Twitch, they're like, I want to watch Dota. And then they're like, oh, Gork has a lot of viewers. I'll go watch Gork. He's casting a tournament game. Awesome. Well, and then yeah, part of it like, has to do with the... Tons of people don't know there's an official broadcast. That, that's somewhere. a good point. I forgot about that. I... There is a certain portion of people that would just go to where the highest number of viewers are, period. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the stream is. That's just Lots. the way it works. Yes. So maybe Twitch needs to get involved, potentially. I don't even know. But, uh, okay, I was going to bring up something different, and I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. now, now that I heard what you said. Um, but, yeah, I agree. The payment should probably be much higher. For I mean, let's let's just say they got a bunch of Tier 1 casters to do the qualifier casting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure Gork still gets more viewers in that specific scenario. It's an Depends. OG match. I think if, and a if there were, I don't think there's ever been a hub that lost to a streamer, for example. But then you need to pay for a hub, right? Like, for example, the TI oh, qualifier you're talking hub about, or okay. major qualifier yeah, hub, yeah. where I'm the just talent about online is casting. physically there, uses camera okay. and broadcasts. Yeah, that wins. Um, cause that's an, it feels like an official tournament stream <clears throat> with tier one talent watching the games together and having a good time. But let's, let me give you an example. Let's say you're a, uh, let's say you're an average Dota Twitch viewer that doesn't know a lot of Dota, but you, you like having fun. You like watching some Dota. Oh, there's a tournament on. I love watching these teams play. Um, are you going to go and scroll down through two or three pages to find the official tournament broadcast with a caster that you maybe don't know or a mm. co-caster you maybe don't know or you know, a, what, whatever it is or something you're not familiar with? Or are you going to go to the stream that has 20,000 viewers with a guy that you see every day? 
I mean, I, I feel like it's a no-brainer, right? If the other product, because arguably Gork's product is as good as theirs, right? They don't really beat him on quality because right. it's just, it's one or two guys at home casting on a microphone setup. So, so Gork has that too. He has his own, he has good audio quality. It's very good audio quality, great image quality, and he will bring on other pros to cast with him. Or this specific game with OG, he was actually casting with Toby, right? Because Toby asked him, was like, hey, would it be fun? And he was like, yeah, let's do it, you know? So that kind of became <laughs> the tier one product was actually Toby on Gork's stream. So like, so I'm going to give you I mean, a... Okay, so let me just put this out there. The way that Valve actually came in and set these rules, if you go mm-hmm. back and look, it's actually the, the path of least resistance, the way they did it, right? Mm-hmm. They did it in a way that's just very clear cut. Nobody really gets that mad except for tournament organizers occasionally and mm-hmm. if history has told us anything nobody gives a shit about the organizers i mean i know personally from doing it myself so here is a potential fix i want you to tell me if there's issues with it so okay. the way that uh tournament organizers cast right now they have to do it on delay right let's say it's uh yeah like for especially for the online portion they have to do like a six minute delay i want to say mm-hmm. something like that yeah most of the time why is there not a way I, I'm trying to remember because I haven't checked this in a while. Do you know by chance what you can set Dota TV delay to be? Is there any reason that the what official casters... Yes. Or... So the official casters are technically casting it live, but then on their stream, they're putting it to a six-minute delay. Why can't you, if you're a tournament organizer, just make the Dota TV be a 10-minute delay? Because then you don't really lose the viewership in theory because people are actually coming to your stream because... It's happening four minutes ahead of time, you know. Is that a good? So you're saying the people that... that are in the lobby will have uh, a more live experience than people outside the lobby. What? Right. So, for example, in... so the tournament organizers will have a slot in the lobby, and Gorg won't, which means yes. the tournament organizers have the truly live stream. Right. Is yes. what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Let me just host the lobby. I'm testing it right now. I'll see what I can set. Okay. Uh, custom lobby. I know they changed a lot of this stuff. Uh, I want to say when Reborn came out. Uh, so I'm not familiar with what the new settings are actually. Okay, so it says here non-league games are restricted to a two-minute delay. I can't change it because I'm not. It's not you need part a league of a pass. league. Yeah, you need to have. If a it is pass part of a league, I think you can set it to two or six, and I think that's it. So, do you think sure. that that is a potential good solution? You just delay. I mean, this means that. Valve doesn't really need to step in and do anything that, you know, people aren't going to get super mad. I don't know. At least I don't think if you make it a 10 minute delay for Dota TV or whatever it is, even eight minutes versus the actual six right. minutes of the delayed official stream. I mean, the, the, the main the main question is how low delay do Valve allow for streamers to do? So this is an online qualifier. So this obviously the reason you have delay is to prevent cheating uh, where somebody's friend tells you awards are or whatever. So you need a certain amount of delay. Yeah. Uh, if you think that's six minutes, then yeah, you could up the Dota TV delay to 10 and the broadcaster have six. So people in the tournament slots have an advantage. Uh, I definitely think that would matter and it would help the tournament organizers, but it feels like a band-aid solution. Once again, it feels forced. You know what I mean? It's like you want to, but it also fits into the path of least resistance. It, I think it fits perfectly. I mean, yes, it does. But at the same time, it doesn't right. Cause then you're playing favorites anyway so if you're playing favorites anyway why not give well 
And I, think, I, I mean, fair, okay, because then the other guys still get to show and broadcast the game and talk about it as they I mean, want let's, personally. Let's be honest. I'm friends with, we're friends with a lot of streamers, so this is not us bashing, them, at least me, not bashing. Oh. Cinderin hates a lot of people, so I couldn't speak to okay. him. But, I hate everyone. Uh, I, I feel like it's okay. I mean, I know Valve doesn't like to play favorites, but let's be real. They do anyway in a lot of ways. And this is basically saying, yes, we understand that tournament organizers are not making a lot of money. And streamers, I mean, we're talking about like a few people here versus mm-hmm. term, like tons of different tournament organizers that consist of hundreds of people that need to be paid for this kind of stuff. Like, I think it's kind of clear cut uh, from my standpoint, at least. And I understand that like if they're on the same, like I, I can't blame people for anything that's occurring now because the rules are very clear cut, black and white. And they're just going to choose which yeah. one they prefer to watch. It's not about, you know, which side's not making money, which side is. Nobody thinks. But that's about my that, whole so. point about this, right? With your proposed solution, you're trying to help out the tournament organizers. But why don't you go all the way then? Do you feel like that hurts too all the much? Way in what regard? Like, that you say tournament organizers that run their own tournament own the rights, and then Valve can say Valve tournaments are free to watch. So majors and TI can be viewed by anyone. But mm-hmm. any sort of secondhand tournaments or qualifiers are the rights of the ones that invest into them. Because you could you could say, right, if Valve pay part of the major, then it's they're also part their product. So they can, you know, they're like, these are our rules for our tournaments. And then you can say, ESL Hamburg, that is not a Valve tournament at all, but it's just run in Dota 2, is owned by ESL. So ESL own the rights to the qualifiers and the broadcast of the LAN. I think based on the way that Valve I mean, has always done business, that will never be a thing. No, it, it's I, I don't think they're going to do it either, but I just... Are I you feel asking like if I would like that of, solution more, mm-hmm, like in a yeah. perfect world? No, I'm just... I'm saying... Do, I'm okay, sure. so I guess two questions. First of all, so your suggestion with the added delay, I call it a Band-Aid solution because it's kind of a way of trying to give tournament organizers an advantage without shutting down the private streamers entirely on Mm. casting and watching those games where that's already a step toward the direction of if you're trying to favor the organizers why not give them why not truly favor them was my point like is this do you think added delay is a better solution than giving rights or was it a solution for you because you think that's one valve might actually do i think that's I don't know if they'll actually. I think that's the most likely of any of the things okay. that you've brought up because the way that they've done business right. in the past just doesn't align with any of the other ideologies. Because if you restrict it versus tournament organizers uh, or for tournament organizers, it's more on the line. It's not quite there, but we're heading towards riots type of business plan, right? Mm-hmm. Where Valve wants things to be free. This you, you could call it a band aid solution, but it works. I think it just works. Right. Streamers can still do whatever the fuck they want. They're just limited in you know the delay. Which yeah. may or may not matter for the viewers I, that they're I don't, just to be care clear, of. I don't dislike that solution. I think it's pretty I think it's pretty good. It's just I, I don't know if that is the kind of thing that I mean if they do it, look uh, at it this way. They if they do it, if they put in that one extra line of code to implement the extra delay, Valve doesn't need to do anything else. It's not like it makes it more yeah. complicated for them in theory. Maybe there's a little bit of pushback, but it's not gonna be anything crazy. So if anything, like I said, this is the most uh, feasible way for them to "quote unquote" fix this issue. If they even want to, I don't know if they even want to though. That's that's a whole different discussion. Because um, they're the ones with all the analytics; they know the stats of all these tournaments. Of course, they don't know how much they make, but they can probably guess. Uh, 
Valve, you can email me anytime you want, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll show you the negatives. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. I think that's mm-hmm. the way that you call it a band-aid solution offends me, Cinderin. It's a good solution. It's it's a bandage well, to, that is duct clarif- tape on to thoroughly. Clarify, it's like it's like it alleviates the problem, but it doesn't truly solve the root of the problem. You know what I, I mean? Like that's, no, I know what you mean. So, but it's not a bad solution. Like Band-Aid solutions aren't necessarily bad. I think it's a very good suggestion. It's just, I don't, I don't know if... What I'm getting at here is if we're going in that direction, do we need this full creative freedom for every tournament? Or is it okay to have stuff owned, like the rights? How does it work in CSGO? Can any pro just broadcast any game in CSGO? Do you know? No idea. That's also Valve, right? So yeah. do they have the same rules in CS or did this just a specific Dota thing where they have? Because I feel like whenever there's a CS tournament on, it's the only thing I find on Twitch is the official broadcast. I never find a pro player watching it or right. some secondary off-brand stream. It's If it's an ESL tournament, there's an ESL broadcast, an ESL Spanish one, and an ESL German or whatever it is. And that's it. There's like nothing else. I don't know if this is still um, a thing, but it could it be in part because there were there were I don't know if there still are a lot of bots for like the betting stuff, so it just fills up those official streams to the point where there's just one stream. Nobody's going to beat that that thing anyway. It's like five hundred thousand viewers, it's like insane viewership. Well, what I'm seeing in live chat right now is that people are saying it's specific to Dota, and in CS:GO the the broadcasters own the rights. Really? For their tournaments? Yeah. Huh. Um, but as we know within Valve, like these two, we don't, the goal isn't that the two games are run the same way. It's different teams with different ideologies and different attitudes and that's fine, but, but they can learn from each other about things. Like if they communicate and they see how things work and what it does for the scene, I think in part, the reason that the CSGO scene from an economy standpoint seems like healthier and less top heavy and all of this and way more structured in terms of tournament organizing is that it's easier for the tournament organizers to predict what their profit is going to be and what their costs are going to be because they know if they run a good product and if they do this and that it's theirs right that's got to feel way better to invest into than it's the same if you're a sponsor right with with a dota team you're investing into a team you're like wonder how it's going to go let's see happy go lucky and then if you're sponsoring a tournament in dota and then you see Let's say you're a sponsor of ESL and you see there's this random guy that's casting the qualifiers. Well, Gorg's not a random guy, but you get the point. There's like this (laughs) streamer who is getting 10 times the viewers of your official stream that you paid to sponsor. I think it was more than 10 times. Yeah, it's just an example. You're going to feel pretty bad, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Like, why don't we sponsor Gorg to cast our (laughs) tournament? Well, that's you know, the like, argument of some people is that, again, I don't uh, like that solution of just picking the highest viewership person and having them sponsored by the tournament. But, I mean, you can give them the overlays, I suppose, and that kind of fixes that to some degree. I don't know. That's just a, that seems like a more complicated uh, solution to me because right. it's a case-by-case basis. But all in all, I think the point that I'm trying to make, and I'm pretty sure that you agree with, is this all comes into line with stuff that we've talked about uh, before, the, like TI episode, where mm-hmm. we want to share the wealth. Right now, and I've said this so many times, but it doesn't like it doesn't seem that most people truly understand the dynamics that go into the scene right now. Pro players are so far on top on this totem pole, totem pole. It's not even close, and it's the tier one players, the tier two players, the tournament organizers, the casters, the talent, whatever you want, to, the content creators. They're all so far behind, and all we're saying is you need. 
need to share the wealth a little bit. You need to make it a little bit more even for this to be sustainable through a long, you know, a longer period of mm -hmm. time. Because TI, again, this is a whole different discussion that we're not going to get into. The whole, the fact that it takes up so much time or so much prize pool for one event just makes everything so much smaller by comparison. And yep. not a fan of that. Uh, any Anything else, Senator, before we go on to our last topic? Uh, I mean, I feel like we talked a lot of perspective, but, perspectives, but no real like conclusion or true opinions from us. My like, Band-Aid was a true solution. <laughs> yeah, so that is your favorite solution. Or yeah, is your favorite is. solution that tournaments get rights? If you could choose, uh, what would you I do? Gosh, that's. I would really have to think about the pros and cons to that because it's not. Mm -hmm. it, I don't think it's a simple question. There's so many different uh, variables that go into that kind of thing. I, I really don't know. I'd have to. Really one think argument about this that one. could be made is if you give tournaments fully exclusive rights on everything, including qualifier commentary, why would they make a better product? Yeah. If they own it anyway, that's if true. People are going to watch it. But then there's going to be ways. I, to I don't know if it. I really buy that argument because the people are going to be like, "Well, if your product's shit, we're just not going to watch at all, or we're going to watch in Dota TV." They're never getting Dota TV. Like there is no fucking way they get that. right. And so they would never get can always more. Do that. They would never get more Valve sanctioned majors or whatever the type of DPC event they're actually doing, right? In theory, yeah. at least, um, if they do a shitty job. I don't know. I. I don't think I, I a wonder, huge shakeup is needed. That's what I'm trying to I come honestly, down to. You know to what here. would be a really good episode on this podcast? If we could get somebody who's really in the CSGO community and we can talk about that. Like we can compare our games and the way the economy and the structure works with somebody we from have, CSGO. Uh, we should have Monte does, Cristo on as a guest sometime. Does he do a lot of CSGO? Or not Monte Cristo. Uh, we can get Machine. We can yeah, get... Machine. Uh, we can do this for like every game, actually. What well, does Monte Cristo? He does Overwatch, he did, right? Or he, he does. Did. He did Overwatch. Now he does League. We can do Machine. We can do similar. He did League, he's back then to Overwatch, CSGO then now. League again. Yeah, I think he's back to League again. I could okay. be wrong. Anyway, but yeah, I think it could be really interesting to get the perspective of somebody because we keep, we don't keep, but sometimes we compare it to CS:GO and we're like, this is how their thing works, and we have like our perceived idea of what their community thinks. But having somebody who's like as deep into CS:GO as we are in Dota, I think would be really interesting to like compare and contrast what what the scenes do structure-wise, nothing else. Um, oh, that chat's actually making a great maybe, point, Cinder. Maybe they're like, man, we wish we had Dota. It's stupid that we have exclusivity. We, I, You know, like, who knows? It would be interesting uh, to see the other perspective. Chat's yeah, making a great point. I used to be a Counter-Strike pro, so I could actually be our guest for one of these episodes oh, if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Shannon? <laughs> well, you know, back in the day when we did CPL, we went to the Gaylord Hotel in Dallas, Texas, and I had to bring a huge CRT monitor. That was a shit okay. tournament. That's all yeah, I can so say. So Dota 2 is definitely better because we don't need to bring our own gear. All right, case closed. CRT monitors are no gear, longer not a thing our own monitors. for Counter-Strike. Thank God for any PC gaming, really. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that was the worst. Dude, I actually took my entire computer to Dallas for CPL on the plane and everything. Like, it's a huge fucking computer. Then I had to rent a monitor at C... Ugh. Dude... You guys have no idea how easy you have it these days. Damn kids, get off my lawn. So easy now for your sons of bitches. All right, so the last topic for today, Cinderin. Oh, for the first CSGO. <laughs> for the first time in seven years, the average monthly CSGO players are higher than Dota 2. What do you yep. think about this? Is Dota truly well, on its decline? Two things. Uh, 
Yeah, so we, I mean, you could show the graphs on stream, but we obviously, I mean, you could link it in the YouTube thing, if you will, in the comments, but... Um, you can Google it. Yeah, I'm sure you can find it. So two things. First of all, CSGO, so it's, the the metrics on the bars are the bottom bar is month and the top is, or the side, the, 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 okay, up is average players per month, right is month on Good. the scale here. Big so, numbers. On the graph. Yeah. So what I read from this is that CSGO's numbers were more or less stable for four years. They were pretty mm. much stable, whereas Dota's were more fluctuating. They had higher highs and lower lows. Mm. And then now CSGO has, starting, has started some serious growth, which is very interesting, um, whereas Dota's decline has been serious over the last year. Um, the decline Dota has had in the last year is bigger than it has ever had before. It has had declines before, uh, but the speed at which it happened was pretty high. Um, Dota's average numbers right now are the same as they were when the game had been out for a year and a half. So that would have been 2013, mid-2013, before TI. And then there's a big spike after it, it looks like in this graph anyway. The numbers went up drastically. Um, So, I mean, what do you want to read out from this? The first thing is CSGO is really boosted right now. So something is going on. Either it's because some of the other shooters are fucking up or CSGO is doing something awesome that I'm not aware of. Maybe Fortnite's kind of losing players or COD is losing players or whatever it is. Uh, And as far as Dota goes, I mean, we've talked quite a bit about what we think the game should need and hopefully will do. Um, But when you look at the graph as well, Dota's numbers are still trending down but very little compared to what it was a year ago right and they might be able to turn the ship a bit with some good decisions now so so this is yeah it's it's interesting the graphing question is between july 2012 and january 2020 and the way i'm looking at it after month 44 ish for dota that was its highest peak this is out of like 90 something months now Mm -hmm. so around 43 44 months is its peak and it's actually steadily declining since then, up until about the 80th month, which is like a year and a half ago, then you see a big-ish spike, which is probably auto chess is the first thing I thought of. Yeah, and then now totally. that that's gone, in addition to people having less interest in Dota in general, now we're seeing a steep decline. So I would say it's not just this patch, which I think is part of it, honestly. It was auto chess and true sight, right? Or when was true sight? True sight, what? How does that give Dota when, viewers? Oh, you're saying that by watching True Sight, more people come to play Dota? Probably. I don't think it's gonna be, eh, really? People see True Sight. People that play Dota and don't play it, then they see True Sight and they're like, holy shit, I forgot Dota's so cool. And then they go play, or maybe they it's something you watch with your friends and your friends are like, hey, I want to try to play this game. It looks fun. You know, like I, I think True Sight had really good viewers. I don't know. I would I would guess it did something. I can see In addition TI to being having that around effect. around TI, right? True Sight. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can see. I mean, it's hard for me to like. I'd I don't have know. to. I don't, don't have the stats, but that's an interesting. I never really thought about that. Okay. So, anyway, do you want to? I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Do you have any solutions to a dying games? <laughs> I mean, I still, I still think the biggest, the biggest problem that it had, the the thing that is hard to separate is how much of this is bad decisions or bad game design, and how much of it is just time. Like, games don't generally maintain high players forever like if new stuff comes the reason valve are trying to spice things up a lot of the time with patches and stuff is to re 
like rekindle that flame where people are maybe like, oh, there's a new title coming out. I want to play that instead. And you try to, you know, make it exciting all the time where there's like this argument of how exciting do you need to try to make it where you make it too crazy that it loses its identity that people play it for. Mm. Um, it's really hard to gauge on this metric because we can't compare it to every other game. If, that gra- if this graph also had Overwatch, League of Legends, Call of Duty, FIFA, like whatever, all sorts of games across, I would love to see the trends. Like if there's a clear winner and a big loser, because um, I-, I refuse to believe that these people that quit Dota stop playing video games, right? They're playing something else, probably. Yeah, a certain segment and of them certainly did. I mean, people a- get few, lives, they get but, families, you know, they meet people uh, in real life. Meet real, uh, have real connections. They have babies. Have you played they Dota can't play Dota training? anymore. Dota players don't meet people in real life. Okay, that's, eventually that, they it's might. A myth. It During that a break myth. in TI, when the okay. meta is super stale, you never know. You go outside, you venture out, you see so, another anyway. person of the opposite sex. You talk to them. You talk about Dota. Why does it have I'm, to be the opposite sex, it? Shannon? It could be one from any sex. That's true. It could be any sex. It could be even different creatures. Of any, like yeah. just talking to a cat can you meet build a dog in the street skills. and you're like, I'm gonna adopt you and quit playing video games, and I'm gonna name it fucking go. onion. By the way, I was meaning to ask yeah. you if you fed your dog onions, is that a form of cannibalism? It, onions are toxic to dogs. Oh, so it's okay. kind of. I mean, it's cannibalism <laughs> and poisoning, so I, I think it's okay. pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway. Um, <laughs> Well, about these numbers, I think the main thing Valve needs to do still, we've talked about it, you need to find a way to, I don't know if we should aim really hard for the new player experience that people are talking so much about. Oh, what's going to save the game is that we bring in hundreds of thousands of new players. I think it's more important that you retain the ones that show interest rather than trying to advertise heavily or look for tons of new players. The sad thing is all the people that used to love the game that don't anymore. Those are the ones you want to try to to please, and the main um, the main criticism that I hear is that people are feel like it's rampant with Smurfs, it's rampant mm. with griefers, and um, the changes are too big. Those are the three arguments that I hear the most: is that things are getting too crazy. It's not the game I used to love. And then when I do feel like playing it, I get stomped by a guy who's four times as good as me. Now, a lot of the time, people I think. A lot of the time people say it's a smurf, they just lose to someone who's better than them that isn't necessarily a smurf. Like there's obviously tons of situations where it is actual smurfs, maybe even the majority. But a lot of the time now it's like people are jumping to that conclusion. You know, people can have a good game without being no. a smurf, right? No, they like can't. It's possible. No. No. Um, no, no, no. But but now it's just easy to blame it on that. So I think it's possible that the problem is being over like overblown and valve are the ones with the stats on this where they should probably easier be able to tell how big the smurfing problem really is the issue is it doesn't really matter how big it is it's about the perceived problem right rather than the actual problem if people play 100 games and they get stomped by smurfs in 10 of them but five of them are in a row they're going to feel like there's smurfs everywhere and it's that recent experience that gets them frustrated and you know like, how do you solve that as Valve? I don't know, but it's it's what you have See, to deal with. I'm going to disagree with you on your original assessment. I think there's no reason you can't have best of both worlds. You can try to cater to the players that you've lost that showed interest in this game, but there's no reason that you shouldn't be catering to new players too. Oh, no, but that, you know? that, was, not, that was not my argument. I was saying... But the, you were saying, what's the point the, of the player experience, blah, blah, blah. 
No, no, no. I'm saying, I think you misunderstood. I was saying people are talking so much about what Dota should do is focus so much on the new player experience. And I'm saying, mm -hmm. I think currently that is secondary to retaining the current players that we have and making them happy. So if I could choose, if I could choose between making an awesome new player experience and bringing new players to the game or making everybody who used to love Dota come back and enjoy it, I would choose to have people come back. If that's so what I could choose. I don't know. Okay. But I, I mean, it's not. This actually brings up an interesting topic for me because I've thought a lot about this. Because as you know, we're building a new mod called Path of Guardians, Cinderin. Mm -hmm. Not to plug this, but we're going to be plugging it in the future when it actually comes out. The reason that I'm actually creating this. So it's uh, essentially, you know what ARAM is? All random, all mid? Yeah, I do. It's yeah. based off of that loosely, but it's a three mm -hmm. versus three. Everything's accelerated in terms of gold, XP. Uh, you can't really get regen like in terms of the consumables at all. The fountain gives less regen. Everything is super fast-paced. You get like this uh, condensed version of Dota, which is faster than turbo mode. You can buy like neutral items. It's I think it's just less complex. So the reason that I, I'm... The main reason I'm doing this is because I want to cater to the people, like you said, that have stopped playing Dota. And I think the reason that they've stopped playing Dota more than anything is because once you, because I went through this, I took a six month break because mm -hmm. of personal issues and I just started doing Artifact, which I guess you can call that another personal issue. But <laughs> <laughs> um, when I came back from that six months, I cannot tell you how hard it was to get back into the game. Not in terms of enjoying the game necessarily, but more understanding all the things that have changed. Like you're talking about how they spice things up every year or so. Yeah. Imagine taking six or like two years off and coming back, it's a fucking completely different game. And yeah, yeah when we first started Dota, both you and I and most people that have watched, you you really enjoy this idea. Like you have to, like we talk about this all the time. It takes a certain type of person to enjoy Dota in its current form, at least back in mm -hmm. the day. You have to want to learn yourself to some degree. You have to want to enjoy the complexity to some degree. You need to take that next step each time. You, you need to see those improvements. Yep. And that's like, I used to fucking make post-it notes about how to build stuff on Abaddon when in back in Dota 1. I just put a post-it note on my monitor to see what I needed to buy. But mm -hmm. if you take some time off, you're going to miss so much information. You maybe don't want to relearn in the same way. It's just too much grinding. Like right. the older you like I basically have to do it because it's my job essentially. I can only mm -hmm. imagine what it's like for somebody that's just casually playing. It's just too much. So my idea is making obviously I'm making a mod, but I'm not saying Valve can't do something similar making something that caters to those people in a different way. Like the new player so experience like, could be that, you know? So you want to play Dota, you haven't played for a while, you come back and you're like, oh, this is really intense. But then you could play some Path of Guardians instead where you can relearn the heroes and the mechanics a bit in a more quick and easy environment. Quick, basically. easy, stress-free. Yeah. I think that's a big one because people just get like get toxic teammates. Like if you're going to lose a 10-minute game of, in this mod, who gives a shit? You know, it's whatever. Right. It's just fun. So, because the thing that I've noticed, especially from the Valve's... viewership of Dota Cinema, is so many of the comments are like, I stopped playing this game, but I still watch your videos. I still enjoy watching. I just don't enjoy playing yeah. anymore. I was just trying to think, like, why do they not enjoy playing anymore? And I think, I think that's Valve part of it. I think kind of trying this with Overthrow. Yeah. It's like, it's like an arena thing where there's just, you get items for free, you, play, you can pick any hero and just play it in a fast brawl that takes 15 minutes and then it's done. 
Uh, but they didn't really maintain it or advertise exactly. it that much or keep it running. So there, but maybe the reason they didn't do it was that their numbers showed, well, there's not enough people playing this for it to be worth for us to really push. So it has it, mods in general, when you're building it like that, for like it's almost like an event. You're not really... It's, it's the mm-hmm. same issue with Artifact when it first came out, funnily enough. There's no progression system. There's not, So yeah. that's why we're working. That's why it's taking fucking forever to do this shit because we want progression system. We want achievements. We want it to make it feel like as you play, there's a reason to keep playing. Like it, Dota can get boring after right. a while, but there needs to be a little grind in theory for you want to continue to play. So mm-hmm. that's the general idea. Um, so that's my theory. We're gonna see if it fucking fails or not. And if my I mean, my reasoning or my theory behind why people are stopping playing Dota is true or not, this will be the true I, test. I actually, you know, I have. I don't know if you're going to like this, but I think one of the easiest things that Dota can do that makes the biggest difference is they can give people an incentive to log in. It might be cheap and it might sound like almost like defeatist in a way that you're like, okay, our game isn't good enough anymore, so we need to give people an incentive to log in. It's working for other games. Like, There's a reason it's there. Where other games just have this thing where you log in and your first game of the day gives you something. Or oh, yeah. just, right? Because in Dota, you go in and you play a game. And if, if you don't care, if you're not like a competitive player or a competitive person and you care about your MMR, what do you really have to play for? You don't really get level up drops anymore. They kind of scrap the achievement trophy system to a large extent. There's like way less stuff. It's, le- it's more convoluted. It's less obvious. Um, I think something like the level up chest was really good. Like, why did that have to go? Was it because it was devaluing market? then just make exclusive level-up chests that can't be traded, and the items are only from leveling up. And people mm. are going to want to log in to play and level up because they're like, wow, I get this cool shit, you know? I have so something in to theory, play for. that's a thing, but it's Dota Plus, right? Why? What do you mean, why? Why does it have to be? I'm not saying it has to be. I'm saying that's what's in the game right now. You're saying it just needs to not be Dota Plus. It's not really what Dota Plus is, though. No? Like, it feels actually, like it's... It, well, it gives you... You know, random stuff here and there, but it feels like a progression system. Like you're leveling up. It heroes, is right? absolutely like there. There is. I'm not going to disagree. There is a progression system, uh, but yeah, it's for people that pay. It's a paid service, and it for it's for people that are more into the game. I think. Like I, I don't know if no, I agree. It's of, catering to the wrong. People. I have I have I have some friends that play Dota occasionally. I don't think any of them has Dota Plus. No. Like if you have Dota yeah. Plus, you're a Dota player. You play Dota as your main game, and you play it a lot. If not, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's obviously outliers, right? But the majority of people that have Dota Plus probably play Dota every day anyway. They're not the people that you want to reach. You want to reach the people that don't play every day. You want to get them to log in and play and fall in love with the game and then want to buy Dota Plus and to buy the compendium, right? And I can just say from experience, like, this is like uh, almost some sort of human nature thing. It's like the thing that if you don't log in and play and get this thing, you feel like you missed out. And it's, it's kind of an addicting thing an addiction thing similar to when you're like gambling for chests or whatever yeah exactly or cocaine um i just i don't know if people think this is cheap or bad because it's like you're trying to reel people in but isn't the whole point of the game to get people to play it so i I would say i don't feel like rewarding people for playing is bad I don't like if people can't play and they're like if they if it causes them problem in their lives because they're like man the reward I have to play every day because the rewards are so fucking good mm. like then 
you are the one with the problem. The system is not the problem, right? Is anybody if, if saying that little, that would be an issue though? Is that really something? I don't know. That... Like, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to imagine why every game doesn't do this. Like, wh- what's the downside? Is it what because the work I effort? Thought, I thought most games do this and not Dota. Yeah, but not every game does. That's okay. CSGO True. doesn't have it either, right? Oh, like Valve games if, don't have this. Forget about Valve games. Most other games, I feel like the big ones definitely does, do that. Does Fortnite and do Fortnite and League of Legends have like daily rewards? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I know. Okay, like Fortnite as an example, I know they have. I want to say it's Fortnite. Maybe it's another game. They have like sales on their cosmetics. Like there's a different one every day, and it's unique, and it doesn't repeat or something yeah. like that. So there's something mm-hmm. like that in all these new games. So I agree. Like Dota Plus, I think it's kind of cool the concept that they need to add more to it. But they maybe need to have a stripped down version that's just free to all. Right? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just. I I can say for my like this is maybe going to be a stupid example, but if you have like a mobile game on your phone, and the mobile game sends you a push notification, hey, go claim your daily reward. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot. And then you boot up the game and you play around, right? Mm. Why why doesn't like I, I'm just I'm know. trying I'm trying to get in the mindset of understanding why this isn't done. Like, is there something I'm missing? Is there something inherently bad about this? Is it too much effort? Too much work? Does it put the game in a bad light? Does it make it look cheap? Will we lose players if we give daily incentives to log in and play? No. If not, I feel like it's just a huge missed opportunity. Like, I don't I don't know if if I'm just the one being dumb here. Like, I just I just really don't see it. That's the I whole thing agree. Here. I agree. Uh, There's no reason not to have it based on my first reaction to this. You know, um, of course, maybe tomorrow. So yeah, I, have an I, I guess, for I guess in conclusion, I have been talking a lot about this. What Dota needs to do is try to combat the the smurfing and uh, griefing problem, so people that enjoy the game keep enjoying it, and then retain the players, make them want to log in every day to play because it's fun, because they get a reward, and then. When the game is fun and rewarding and isn't full with people having bad experiences, then they will get their friends to play and their friends won't be discouraged because the game is frustrating to get into. They will be encouraged because it feels fun to play a game and win and get a reward. I, I mean, the, the fact that Valve removed this level up chest makes me doubt myself in this because it makes me feel like, well, if they removed this, they probably their metric probably said it did nothing. I just I just can't believe it. Like, I just don't understand. There's so yeah. many people that are like, man, we missed this level up chest. When I see it, like, gets posted on Reddit once in a while. Why did this have to go? And people are always like, yeah, I love this shit. It made me want to log in and play. You so, don't like this so current level up go? system, Cinder, where you get a new avatar that you don't see anywhere else other than that screen? You have to go to the Do achievements you even see tab. It anymore? You have to go to like the. Does it even tell you that you leveled up? I don't think it does. It does. It does. Does it? I, it's I, buried. I that's how buried. that's how unimpactful it is. I can't even remember leveling up. Like yeah. I can't remember it it's happening not great. to me. It's not great. So it, yeah. it doesn't no, really I agree. Do I anything, mean, there's right? there's so many different aspects. Like we talked about the people that not only like you're talking about retaining player player, the current player mm-hmm. base, but you yeah. also want to bring back people that have quit in some fashion, which that's a whole nother conversation, like we talked about with the mod potentially, but I don't know what Valve can potentially do for that as well. And then the new player experience for brand new people is garbage and i mean we've been talking about this forever so there's there's many different things that can be done to help sustain and grow the game but we'll see all right cinderin i have one more topic for you (laughs) okay 
Okay, so <laughs> I read an article on the website futurism.com. Oh, boy. There's a theory that UFOs, Cinderin, this guy has a theory that UFOs mm -hmm. are in fact not aliens, but us from the future. I'm going to read a couple quotes, Cinderin, and I want you to tell me your reaction and what you think is true. I'll just I'll just look true. in the camera and then Okay. So here well, are the quotes. Okay, for audio listeners that won't work, but you can you can give ASMR for the audio listeners. Okay. All right, here's the quote. We know we're here, mm. we know humans exist. We know that we've had a long evolutionary history on this planet, and we know our technology is going to be advanced, more advanced in the future. I think the simplest explanation innately is that UFOs are in fact us. The alleged abduction accounts are mostly scientific in nature. It's probably future anthropologists, historians, linguists that are coming back to get information in a way that we currently can't with access to that technology. Undoubtedly in the future, there will be those that will pay a lot of money to have the opportunity to go back and observe their favorite period in history. Some of the most popular tour sites are the Pyramids of Giza and Machu Picchu in Peru, old and prehistoric sites. What are your thoughts, Cinderin? Okay, here are my thoughts. I think time travel is impossible. Okay. The end. That's it? <laughs> That's Why do you think it's impossible, Cinderin? Okay, because everything... Everything we know for now, like you can theorize about things that are potentially possible. But there's nothing that indicates that it is possible, right? What would what would somebody say a hundred years ago about a a TV? Let's say two hundred years ago, TV. Yeah, I don't want that argument to be the argument for anything because you can always huh. find exceptions where people have they're like oh i can't imagine that and then it becomes reality there's 99 percent of the things that they can't imagine that didn't become reality so you can't just so cherry pick the ones that i did. can't imagine a basketball going through a hoop but i know it is possible well, i know that's never <laughs> happening either for you so i mean that's <laughs> please basketball no. just go okay. in so all right so let me let me be let me be real about this so this whole ufo thing first of all i don't believe in them in general but mm -hmm. if they are there, I think this is probably one of the least plausible explanations uh, out of all of them. If there is something that gets observed that we can't really explain with normal like logic or whatever we've usually observed, I think the most likely thing for me is that it's extraterrestrial. That is absolutely more likely than it being time travel. Do you believe in those then? Theoretically, it's possible. No, I don't. I just said I don't think UFOs exist. But do I think you believe in them? That is not what. <laughs> what are you saying? I I believe I believe in extraterrestrial life. I definitely do. I don't think we're the only life form. But the question is how far away it is and if it's possible. But it is plausible that there is some sort of civilization somewhere that could travel to Earth. The question is if we keep feel like we're seeing the, we're seeing these UFOs. Why do they never interact? I'm gonna talk like, out why, of my ass. Why does never anything ever come here, from it? But. I'm going to talk out of my ass. So uh, okay. this is based off of very valid information from the movie Interstellar that I love. <laughs> Top five movie of all time. That's not okay. the joke part, but... <laughs> okay. okay. So if you go... I don't know the details of this. <laughs> that was going to be like the, the really, really stupid way of saying it. But if you go, <laughs> if you go like close to... <laughs> 
go close to like a black hole or something. Uh-huh. Time bends, right? Mm-hmm. So in theory, you can go to the future, right? Mm-hmm. Based on that yeah. information that we have. Sure. Why don't you think that there's something in, I mean, not only the, like there's so many So like a galaxies. white hole where you can go back. Yes, a white hole where you can go back in time. Why can't that exist? Hmm? You think it's impossible. There has to be a point zero zero one percent or whatever that we just are. We maybe we'll never understand it. Maybe we'll never actually get to it because we'll just kill ourselves. We've had this yeah, episode I, before. I can't. I can't rule. I can't rule out that it exists. I can't. So it's possible. Like, you can't rule. You, you can't. Yeah, everything is possible. Everything yeah. is possible. When you yeah. say impossible, you don't mean it literally because nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. Except there, for that it could basketball. always happen at any point. Something could happen. Somebody could come back from the dead, and it would be the first time ever or the second time ever, depending on who you are. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? The second time. Ever? <laughs> A lot of people think Jesus came back from the dead. Right? Oh, I'm so. sorry. I completely yeah. missed. <laughs> I mean, I thought uh, you would get that. You're American, man. You're the one. Uh, okay, anyway. God, don't uh, get me started if, on that. Like, if you, whether you believe in in stuff like that or not, is is beside the point. Like, you technically cannot say for certain that something will never or has never happened. So, I'm not going to rule it out entirely. All I'm saying is with everything we know, with everything we've observed and everything we've ever done and seen, there is nothing that makes it likely that this is a possibility. It might be, I can't think of anything less likely actually than traveling back in time. I think it's one of the concepts that I feel like are the most unlikely ever. Hmm. Like, can you imagine something that is harder than traveling back in time, except getting a basketball through a hoop? Like, it's hard. Is there, it's hard. Well, I think the the can, issue can with you, can time you think travel, of something like any concept, except like that is less likely than traveling back in time. Can you imagine anything with your mind that's less likely? Um, ooh, Somebody saying tough. Kyle winning TI. That's <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, what do you What do you think? Uh, what about faster than light speed? I think that's more likely. I agree. I don't know. Mm. I guess, hmm. yeah, you're probably right. But it's it's so intriguing to think about. It is, know? of course it is. And it's that's why it's so amazing. And that's why people love watching it but, in movies or thinking I mean, about theory. The idea is, it, right, but. if there is time travel, then we would have seen something. Like, in theory, you could only go, like, could you only go back in time based on when the, the invention of time travel, whatever you want to call it, the machine is made? Or could you actually go back anytime you want? Because if you, you can choose, go back, right? If you can go back anytime you want, then in theory, this does make more sense. Like, let's say we find out tomorrow that time travel is possible, theoretically mm-hmm. is possible. Then would you right. believe that the UFO stuff is more likely to be us in the future than aliens yes of course okay that is more likely then because then it opens up the possibility that that could be real okay so this leads me to my final question Sindarin. okay if you could go back in time i thought it was gonna be did you watch in bruges <laughs> no <laughs> if you could go back in time to watch in bruges <laughs> what what time period would you go to to visit if i now, could go to any time now we need to have like some rules here right you'd okay. be able to come back no problem like what do you would want you the rules safe? to be yeah would you be safe like is is that guaranteed do you want to guarantee your, how safe you are like you'll live 
How do we want to do this? I guess so. Yeah, let's say you live no matter what. You have a bulletproof, whatever, entire body I think, suit, impenetrable. I think I am 50-50 between going back to before humans or going to when humanity discovered fire. I think one of those two. That That's like quite the range, Cinderin. Yeah. What does before okay, so humans like, mean? Yeah, let's say the era with dinosaurs, right? What, okay. Whatever they're called. It's like a million, million, million year span. They were there for many million years, right? Yes, so, they were. Um, so either that age would be awesome to watch or when humanity starts becoming intelligent. That would right. be pretty cool. What would be interesting? Okay, I, I'm going to have to... <laughs> okay, mine would be dinosaurs, 100%. Not even close. Mm-hmm. What would be interesting about seeing a bunch of goddamn idiots learning about fire? Don't you think you get bored immediately? Well, who says you need to be there forever? I just think I just think experiencing that moment and what it leads to Let is me, super fun. You want to go to a zoo with me? We can look at some monkeys. I mean, that's pretty close. And then Don't we put think? fire next to them and see how they learn it or what? Yeah. Learn the fire. <laughs> that's what we just say it over and over until they understand. That's how evolution works. <laughs> So you, that's weird. That's interesting. So you wouldn't go back to like, uh, you know, any, like the Roman empire, for example, anything. I, Cause that's the second that would, most interesting thing to me. That would probably be th- something like third because I want to see is Caesar more, get killed. You know? The thing about those things is that they're more documented. So there's less mystery. True. Whereas like all of these, like humanity discovers fire and what it leads to. It's kind of just like, there's like a ballpark of when that happened and what it did, but there's no like real... I feel like you would be more surprised and more carried away in that experience than watching the Roman Empire because it's probably, you know, better. And what's your favorite dinosaur, Sindarin? Uh, hmm, that's a pretty random one. question out of nowhere. I guess a uh, pterodactyl. I mean, pterodactyl? What the f- Yeah, They're hideous. They're so ugly. How yeah, could you like a pterodactyl? Awesome, just because they fly? It's just a bird. Everybody's f- going to say something like T-Rex or Brontosaurus no. or whatever. What right? do you think mine but, is then? Okay, what do you think mine is? I don't know that many names by heart. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Uh, Stegosaurus? Is that Incorrect. One? All right. My, My favorite dinosaur is Ankylosaurus, Syndrome. Ankylosaurus. 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 It's oh, it's, I see. Uh, it has a big club for a tail. Well, every depiction of this one looks like it's taking a shit. It actually makes perfect <laughs> sense now. Well, go Google it. Go that's... Google it right now. Go Google Ankylosaurus and look at the first like ten images that come up. They all Ankylos- look like they're on the toilet. Ankylosaurus. Like literally all of them are just taking a shit. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just a picture of Ankylosaurus models. Uh, yeah, this one looks like he's taking a shit. Okay, yeah, I can see it now. <laughs> like, come on, dude. You know, you know. These things are. are spiky. They can beat the shit out yeah. of you with their tail. They're awesome. Those things are sick. Yeah, but were they real? I don't know. You uh, know, that's actually something that would time. be probably really fascinating about it is going back and realizing how wrong we are about some assumptions we've made. Because there's no way that the accuracy that people are pinpointing this stuff with is is what there. if like, it, dinosaurs were actually created by aliens 
Oh, what, what if, if that? us from the future going back to plant them <laughs> yeah, so plant that we in the present can wonder what they were like and look forward to time travel so that we can go back and find out that we made them. Eventually, that will be uncovered wow. in archaeological digs. All right. Uh, well, that brings this episode and then to, the, we end up, to yo, an end. Then we end up the real discovery is discovering ourselves. Oh, my God. And Man. It's, it's the ending of every terrible movie oh. in existence. Thank you. Sandra. Holy shit. I should make movies. You make movie. Have you seen In Bruges? No. All right. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. On this week's edition of We Say Things, where Cinder still has not seen the movie that I've been wanting. He's a very good friend. It's only been like eight months now. <laughs> Ten months. Maybe it's been a year. I don't even know. It's when been did a we long start time. talking about this movie, actually? Very early on, believe episode it or not. Episode five or something, maybe? Yeah, we're on episode 39. You're a good friend, by the way. Can't mm, spend an hour I, and a half of your I time. I love to please. Good. All right, guys. Until next week, uh, we may or may not have a special guest. Uh, not anybody you would expect, but I'm super excited if it ends up happening. So stay tuned. Suns Fan and Cinder signing out. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.